Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. We're talking about the heart, and, and everyone has a heart, so this series is relevant to everybody. If you have a heart, this series has something for you in it. If, if, if your heart got broken once or maybe several times as you fell in love and maybe hopefully learned how to you know, do the whole dating thing, and if your heart has ever gone out to somebody you know, then you, this series kind of is going to relate to you. And what we've said is that the Bible teaches that the heart is this intangible thing that's not real. If we cut you open, we couldn't find it. It's not really your thoughts and just, it's not just your emotions. It's, it's more than that. It's tied up in more than that. We, we call it the heart. And, and it's the thing that pretty much drives our whole life. In fact, Jesus said, you know, it's when you say those things and you go, oops, I don't know where that came from. Jesus says, no, that, that came from your heart. That's where that came from. It's, that's what's inside of you. We, we live from our heart. We love from our heart. heart. We parent from our heart. Um, we, we lead from our heart. We decided to follow Jesus from our heart. That's where you do that. Our heart basically drives everything. And we settled down on this one idea. It's, it's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And I don't ask you to memorize much scripture, but this is one that would be really easy for you to memorize if you, if you cared to do it. Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. I mean, that's easy. When I do weddings for people, you know, when they slip the ring on the finger, I give them those three little statements with this ring, I seal my promise to be a faithful and loving wife or husband. That's, we do that because, you know, they're all nervous. This is, you could break this down into three parts real easy. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Now, if you could do that, you've got Scripture memorized. And I would highly encourage you to do that. In other words, Solomon, one of the wisest men in the world, who's you know, going to tell you all kinds of stuff in Proverbs, he stops down and he says, but, but if you don't remember anything else I say, guard your heart. It's that important. Um, you need to make sure that you do this one. And we've said throughout this series that we have learned how to monitor our behavior. We've learned how to monitor our tongues and our mouths. We know how to keep a girlfriend and get a date. We know how to uh, get a job and keep a job. We, we, we're pretty good at monitoring our behavior, but we, we've had to learn the hard way sometimes how to do that. You, you know, you live and learn, and that's what our kids are going through. But no one really ever taught us how to monitor our heart. Like, you know, how does that bad stuff get in there to begin with? And yet Solomon and Jesus both said, the heart's a big deal because from it everything else flows. And if you don't learn how to monitor your heart, you're going to be in big trouble because sometimes the filter that we've put over our heart grows thin and the right stuff gets in there and under the right circumstances, it pierces that filter and out comes this stuff and then, you know, that's when you're going like this and everybody else is looking at you like, what? And you say, I don't know where that came from. Jesus would say it came from your heart. And sometimes there's enough motion inside of us that we just kind of go through and blow through our filter and, 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 don't, and do things and say things that we know we shouldn't do. And so we've been talking about what it means to monitor our heart. Last week we started to talk about the four snakes specifically, and last week we talked about guilt. And basically what we said is guilt says, I owe you. That's, that's what we learned. When, when I hurt you, I owe you something. And if I don't pay you what I owe you, or at least if I can get you, can't get you to cancel my debt, then I live with the guilt that goes with that. And we talked about how to get rid of the guilt, the habit of confession. With each one of these things, there's kind of a habit that if you get into this habit, it helps to break the grip of whatever it was. Last week, we talked about the grip of guilt. And we said, if you will confess, 
then it breaks the confession. The habit of confession breaks the grip of guilt in your life. And, and we said that, that, that it's not really confession that causes the problems and creates trouble in your life. It's sin that complicates your life. And the sin of living with secrets um, will make your life more complicated. And so the Bible just says you should confess it. And the best thing we can do for our hearts is to keep things in the open and confess our sins. And you th- hear that and you go, yeah, it's hard to do. Yeah, it's hard to do. Anything worth doing is hard to do. Today I want to talk about one that is not quite as obvious as guilt because when I say it, when you say, when I say how many of you felt guilty, you know, we all raise our hand because we've all, at some point, we've all needed forgiveness from somebody. We've all done something and said, you know, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I mean, we, we all know what it is to feel guilty, but today we're going to talk about jealousy, okay? Today we're talking about jealousy, and that's a little different because that's something as adults we don't really cop to. Okay, that's something that we think little kids, little kids get jealous. You know, five-year-old little boy gets jealous because he looks over and another little boy has a cooler Tonka truck than him and he gets mad. That's what we think about. You know, uh, 16-year-old, he asked her to the prom, he didn't ask me to the prom and now I'm jealous. And, you know, we, we, that's something that we look at as uh, we're, we're above that. We've, we've, you know, matured beyond that and, and you know, we don't have those problems um, but the older you get, the whole idea of admitting that you're jealous or envious or, you know, we, we say, I'm just not going to do that. I'll admit that I'm angry. I'll admit that I'm guilty. I'm not going to admit that I'm jealous. You know, we just don't say, you know what my problem is. I just have envy in my heart. We don't, we don't really typically say that because I know that you, if I said that to you, I know you're going to want to look back at me and say, well, Brett, you just need to grow up. You know, I mean, you just need to get over yourself and, and not be so jealous. So here's what we do, this jealousy thing. And I'm guessing that most of us are not even aware that we're jealous until after today. And then hopefully you'll walk out here and go, no, I got a problem. Uh, so, so see, my job is to give you problems you didn't know you had. That's, that's what my, my job is today. Um, you just don't want to go public with it because you don't want to have somebody look back at you and say, well, just get over it. You know, grow up. Get, get, get beyond it. You know, you shouldn't be that way. It seems immature to us. It seems so elementary school. You know, it's like that's what little kids struggle with. Grown-ups shouldn't struggle with that. But the thing is, all of us on some level deal with envy and jealousy. All of us do. There is somebody in your life, you don't even like them, and you're not really sure why you don't like them, but if you were to dig around in your heart a little bit and, and just kind of poke and prod and examine some things, you would find that you don't like them because they're ahead of you in something. They got something you didn't get. They got somebody you didn't get. They've acquired a level of possession that you don't have. They haven't worked as hard as you, and yet they got the promotion and you didn't. There's something about them, and your emotional response is, you know, I just don't, I just don't like them. But if you were to dig around and examine in your heart a little bit, your problem is the reason you don't like them is because you're jealous, you're envious of something that they have. And the closer you get to them, the worse you feel about you. Consequently, we don't really deal with jealousy. We just tend to avoid people, and we tend to be jealous of them. And we say silly things like, well, he's just too nice. He's just, you know, people are going, too nice. How can you be too nice? I mean, what's up with that? She's, she's just too pretty. She's all just all so, she's too Barbie doll, you know. Here's one we've all said. 
well, if I had that much money, I certainly wouldn't have spent it like that. If I had that much money, I wouldn't have bought one of those. What were they thinking? Let me just, let's clear some things up, okay? Let me give you a clue about you and me, all right? We don't know what we would do if we had that kind of money. Secondly, the only way to know what we would do if we had that much money is to get that much money. And third, we're not going to get that much money with the attitudes we have, right? We're just not. But isn't it true we look at people and we're so critical because they bought something or are driving something or living something and we say, there's just something, I don't know. And we don't want to say it's jealousy. We know, we, we, we want to say, I'm a better steward. I'm more careful. I just wouldn't have bought one of those. But there's something about those kind of people that just kind of get to you and chances are you're envious. There's jealousy in your heart. And you've couched it in some other terms that, you know, you, you can't just say, you, 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 say, you say things like, you know, I just don't like them. I'm not comfortable being around them. I just can't, I can't get close to them. Because to some degree, they are a reflection of something you're not that you wish you were, and unfortunately, you've reflected it back on them, and it's their problem. And then we play the fairness card, right? We're good at this. Well, it's not fair because my husband works just as hard as her husband does, and we don't live in a house like that. You know? It's not fair because my kid practiced just as hard as their kid did, and my kid doesn't start. It's not fair because they've lived in this community longer than us, and people just look at them differently than they. We can't get the foothold that they've got. It just doesn't, it's not the same for us. It's just not fair. It's not fair. And the truth is, <laughs> you really don't want what's fair. You, you do not want what's fair. Because fair is that overnight, there would be an equal distribution of wealth throughout the whole world. Do we want to sign up for fair? Because if that happened, I have a feeling if, if, if all of a sudden there was an equal distribution of wealth throughout the world, I have a feeling that just about all of us in this room, just about all of us in this country are taking a step backward. We're not moving forward, we're going backward. I, I don't, we don't want fair. What we want is more. That's what we want, right? We want more. I don't want fair, I just want to be even with you or a little ahead of you. I don't want fair. I just want to drive what you drive and vacation where you vacation and live where you live. That's all I want. I want to dress like you. I want to be able to fit into what you can fit into. In other words, we cover it all with fair. And I think if God were to say, do you want fair? I think we'd say, um, no, I don't really want fair. Forget fair because fair, I might have to go backward and I want to go forward. And what I need, I need an excuse for this crud in my heart. I need an excuse for this junk that just kind of piles up that I'm afraid to look at because I may come to the conclusion that I am jealous. 
I'm jealous of her. I'm jealous of him. I'm jealous of what they have or where they've been. I'm jealous of what their kids have accomplished or where they got to go to school. I'm jealous of what their kids can do and mine can. I'm, uh, you know, honestly, I, I, you know, we've couched it in all different kinds of terminology, but the bottom line is I'm just jealous. And the thing that's so weird is if you had more, it would not resolve the issue. You having more would not solve this problem. Because jealousy is a heart issue. It is, is not a circumstance issue. We've got ourselves convinced it's a circumstance issue. But it's not. It's a heart issue. So if suddenly you got the eight-cylinder one, or if suddenly you got the one with the pool, or, or if suddenly your kids got 1,800 on the SAT, if suddenly you had more or got more, you'd still be a jealous, envious person. It would just shift to someone else who has more of something else. Because there's always a bigger fish. There's always something, somebody making more money or somebody who's got smarter kids or whatever. And even if you were to pull ahead, it would not resolve the issue because this is a heart issue. In our world, we think it is a people issue. We think it's him or we think it's her. We think it's a category like rich people or athletic people or skinny people. And it raises insecurities in us and we just don't like them. That's a heart issue. That's envy. That's jealousy. And we don't think it's a big thing, but it's a huge thing. So, so let me drill down because you may new, be new to our church and, and you may be thinking, well, I knew that already. So let's go a little deeper. And I think this is going to be helpful and I'm going to teach you because I've mastered all this already, okay? So <laughs> not true. This is a struggle for me. This is not an easy thing for me to talk about because I'm talking to me. I mean, this stuff we're talking about in here, I can look in my heart and go, ooh, that is ugly. The dilemma is that I think you're my problem. Because of what you have and the way you make me feel, and I think you're my problem, so I distance myself from you. And somehow, in distancing myself from you, I think I'm going to be okay. But you see, you are not my problem. And the reason I know you're not my real problem is because you can't solve my problem. There is nothing you can do that can take my jealousy away from me. But we get so caught up in these emotions, we, we blame or it kind of ricochets what's in our heart and it goes out and we put it on other people. And we mistreat people and we kind of remove ourselves from certain groups because we think they or he or she is the problem. But see, the reason I know you're not the problem is because you can't do anything to solve my problem. In fact, the one thing you can do to kind of address my problem actually magnifies that I have a problem. What makes a jealous person feel better? What makes them go, oh, I don't feel so bad about me now? <laughs> what happened? 
when you fail, I feel better. (laughs) And I might like you after all. He wrecked his car. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Did you see her at the beach this summer? I think she's put on more weight than she was carrying last summer. And I feel better about my life because she gained weight. (laughs) Happy day. Here is the grossness and here is the slime of jealousy. It is that the only thing another person can do to somehow positively address your jealousy is to fail or to lose something. Oh, their kids weren't able to stay in private school. I'm so sorry. Their business went under? I hate to hear that. Hate to hear that. Isn't that terrible? We, we, we've all had probably had a time where we heard something bad about somebody we envied or were jealous of, and our words were right. Oh, I'm so sorry. And inside our hearts are going, yes! And then we thought, I shouldn't feel that way. Where do thoughts like that come from? They come from the heart. Now, I just want to stop for a minute. Because I, I hit on this a lot, and I just it, I, I hit on it a lot because it, it just it cuts through all the junk. Okay, you may have been going to church for a long, long time, and you may think you know what spirituality is. And I talk about this all the time: the difference between looking spiritual and being spiritual. And here's what I would tell you: it's really easy to use the right words, dress up a little bit, go to church, and look spiritual. It's really easy. This is being spiritual. When you get down on a level and you say, you know what, no, that's me. That's me. And I got an issue. And my heart is dark. And and there's some slime in there. Because this stuff comes from our sick, envious, jealous heart. The people that surface jealousy in you are not your problem. Because your problem is really not with people. Do you know who your real issue is with, in, in terms of jealousy and envy? Do you know where the problem is? you know who you're mad at? God. You're mad at God. Here's what jealousy says. Jealousy says, God owes me. God owes me. He owes me a different kind of body. He owes me a car like him. He owes me wealth like him. He owes me a house like that. He owes me those kind of opportunities. He owes me kids like that or an IQ like that. He owes me, uh, you know, those kind of parents. Everything that everybody else has that I didn't get and they got an advantage and it let them move further faster than me, God owes me that. Listen, this ultimately has nothing to do with rich people or skinny people or athletic people. Your problem is not with them, and as long as you think the problem is them, you're never really going to be able to resolve this or begin to address it. 
you're not going to be able to get to the envy and jealousy in your heart and get it out because you won't be honest because they are not really your problem. They cannot solve your problem. The best they can do is have a reversal of fortune and make you feel better about your situation for a moment. It only lasts for a moment. When something bad happens to somebody else and you're rejoicing, that feeling of ecstasy or whatever it is that goes on in our sick, twisted hearts only lasts for a little bit. And then it's on to something else that I'm envious about and something else that I wish I had and something else that I'm jealous about. And then, oh, hurricane knocked their house down? Oh, I'm sorry. But inside, inside there's this sick part of me that goes, yeah, because we're envious and we're jealous. Our problem is with God. We think God ripped us off. Because God could have given to us a different kind of family or a better car or a better job. Just imagine if I brought three people up on stage and and I handed one of them an iPad. I handed the other one a $50 gift certificate to the Apple store. And I handed the other one an apple. I mean, the kind you eat, a real one. Just thought I'd clarify. And then I sent him off the stage. So there you go. I just wanted to give you a gift, and I sent him off the stage. The guy that the dude that got the apple, he's not looking at the person who got the iPad and getting all upset, is he? That's not who he's mad at. Who's he mad at? Mad at me, because I'm the one that gave the gifts. See, that, that's the problem. God gave us gifts, and we don't like the gifts we've been given. And God could have kept that accident from happening. God could have kept your marriage together. He could have made you healthier. He could have given you smarter kids. He could have. But when he was handing out boxes and packages and gifts, he ripped you off, and he gave somebody else some really cool stuff, and he didn't give you that stuff. And you go, that's not fair. Here's a newsflash. Flair, flair, (laughs) flair. Fair ended at the Garden of Eden. No more fair. God never claimed to be fair. He's just. He's always just. You can look through the Bible. There's a lot of stuff going on that doesn't look fair. And what God decided to do is whatever he chooses to do in the distribution of gifts, talents, and wealth and skills. And throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, it is clearly taught. I'm going to read some passages from the Bible today. Normally, if you're new to us, normally I'm in the Bible more and we're reading more. Today's kind of different. This series is a little different in that regard. Um, so if you've got your Bible today, I'm glad you're doing good. That's wonderful. And I hope you're still reading your Bible like you said you were going to do and doing your plans and all that. But today, I'm going to put it all on the wall for you. It's just a kind of an easy day for you today. Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. He, this is King Nebuchadnezzar talking. This is a pagan king. He, and this is what he says about God. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? You gave her what? You let him be what? What have you done? And this pagan king just says, You know... God does whatever God pretty much wants to do. He distributes power and wealth and might to whomever he decides to distribute it to. No one has the right to say, hey God, that's not fair. They got more than me. 
You know how that sends a shot through you when you've got your kids in the minivan and you've given out the M&Ms and then you hear that from the back, right? You know how that just drives you nuts? As a parent, do you think God ever just goes, man, I'm going to ring their bell. I'm going to ring their bell. And yes, there is a correlation between how hard we work and discipline and things like that. And I'm not suggesting that God just gives this stuff and that people haven't worked for some of it. There's definitely that correlation in there. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is God has not distributed everything equally. First Chronicles chapter 29, King David's writing, Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. When, when you read the New Testament, there are verses that say that God has given spiritual gifts to us. He didn't give us all leadership gifts or service gifts or mercy gifts or gifts of giving or gifts of knowledge. He gave those in different proportions. Some he gave several, some he didn't give very many. He gave us all something. And the New Testament says he gave as he saw fit, that he didn't just give them evenly, he, he didn't give them all to everybody, that God somehow distributed all these gifts for the common good. And when I look at you and I decide I don't like you because you vacation in a better place than me or your kid scored higher on some test than mine or you know, that you're driving something or he called me but he didn't call, he called her but didn't call me or some crazy thing like that. They got to go and I didn't get to go. Every time you start to go down that road, the wisest thing you can do is to just pull back and say, wait, my problem is not with my parents or my boss or my older brother. I, I want to not like them and I want to allow all this, you know, I, I want to I just let all this fall apart between us. I want to think that they're my problem, and if they would just stop, I would be better. But well, well, my problem's not with them. My problem is with God. I think God owes me. And if you can just get this one truth lodged in your heart, it would become the filter through which you would begin to process all the crud and all that stuff that emotes and erupts from your heart God will use this one single solitary brand new lens and filter to begin to clean out the jealousy and envy in your heart because when you have the guts to get on your knees before God and say God I've never told you this before but I'm mad at you because I think you owe me that might be one of the healthiest conversations you ever have with God and you ask, can, can God handle that? Of course God can handle that. In fact, he's probably looking forward to it. Because you've been blaming people who can't solve your problem for stuff that God would love to deal with in your heart. And you think, well, won't God strike me dead? Listen, I'm pretty sure that all of us in the room have probably done enough things in our world that we've given God plenty of reason to strike us dead already. We're dealing with a God who's gracious and loving. He has decided to let us make it this far. I don't think this conversation is going to have him come up and go, that's it right there. I'd say you're, you're everybody out of the pool. <laughs> there are... 
there are whole classes of people that we're tempted to write off, and, and we come up with a dozen reasons why you can't be around them or you don't like them. They're either Democrats or Republicans or they're white or black or Chinese or Hispanic. You know, we got all these reasons we would come up with, all these different things that we would write off big categories of people, and they're not even the issue. And somehow we're reflecting off of them an issue that we really have with God. And do you know what happens if you allow it to simmer and percolate and ooze? Eventually it reaches into all your relationships. And eventually you can't even be a good Christian because the Bible says that God is love and the number one manifestation of Christianity is that we love one another. Listen to these verses. Usually I read these Usually you hear these at a wedding. This is what the Bible says about love. And when you hear this, don't just hear this as, oh, that's nice, you know, we had that read at our wedding. No, let God speak. Listen to what God's saying, because these aren't just wedding verses. These are for us. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. You can't carry around a heart of love and a heart of envy at the same time and accomplish the things God wants you to accomplish in your world. You can't carry out the scriptures that say love one another. You you can't make love the preeminent value of your life if you've got envy and jealousy in there. Until you allow God to drudge up all this stuff and hold it up and say, yep, that's in there and I want to get that out. God, how do I get that out? Because every time you see that person or that type of person or however that works for you, every time you come up with an excuse as to why you don't want to be around them and why you don't like them, you know what that is? That's an issue between you and God. And you're upset with God. He ripped you off. He owes you. He didn't give you what he gave somebody else. And until you focus those emotions where they need to be focused, you'll never, ever get past it. And you'll never be able to love the way the Bible teaches us to. Let me finish the passage. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And we call ourselves Christians, right? That's what we call ourselves. We call ourselves Christians. This is, we're all, God is love. That's what this is about. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So when he crashes his BMW, we don't gloat over that, okay? We don't go, oh, I'm so sorry. I've seen jealousy destroy relationships between fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives. And nobody says, well, the problem is we're just both jealous. No one, they, we don't say that. God says, look, the problem you have is not even with them. The problem you have is with me. I could have made you six feet tall. I could have made you so you wouldn't get sick. I could have given you a different father. Come on, if you're mad, bring that to me. Don't get mad at them. Bring it to me. Talk to me about it. That's what God would say. Because until you properly focus it, you'll never really be able to deal with it. You think God owes you, and it sounds weird to say that, but the truth of the matter is, you didn't really know that till now. It's like, man, I didn't, oh, I never thought about it like that. 
And as soon as you're willing to embrace it, you've really taken the first step to rooting it out of your heart. I want to give you three things real quick, and then we'll close, okay? Three things to help you break this whole thing of guilt or of jealousy in your heart. The first thing is you have to embrace the truth, I think God owes me. You just got to be honest, and you got to say, you know what, that's, that's really the truth. I, I think I'm mad because I, I think God owes me something. Number two, you need to confess, and this isn't all of you, maybe not, maybe I don't know how many in the room need to do this, but somebody in the room needs to do this because you've been treating somebody badly and they don't know why. And the fact is you're probably jealous and they don't even know it. They just think you're a jerk, okay? They just think you're not a very nice person. But the thing is, you've got this envy thing going on. You're treating them different. They can't figure it out. You need to go have a conversation with them and say, you know what? After doing a little talking with God, I've discovered that I'm jealous of you. And God doesn't want me to be jealous of you. And I'm, God and I are working on that, but I just need to ask your forgiveness because I have not treated you very nice. So the second thing is you need to confess your jealousy to somebody. Some of you in here need to do that. The third thing, and this is the habit part. I told you we'd give you a habit. This is the third. This breaks the, the grip of jealousy on your heart. Celebrate the people you tend to be jealous of. Hey Tom, that is a that is a sharp looking car. The more you say it out loud, I'm really glad you guys got to take that vacation. You've worked hard. You deserve it. You should have had it. You're moving. You got a new house. I drove by there today. It's beautiful. And you go, well, isn't it insincere if you say that kind of stuff? Is it a beautiful house? Yeah. Well, then tell him it's a beautiful house. That's how you break the grip of envy and jealousy in your life. You start telling the truth. You start owning up to things. And you say, you know what? That really is a pretty car. I'm glad. Good for you. I'm glad for you. That's how you break the grip. So... Like if you were my kids and I was standing in by your bed when you were little, that I might do this right now. I might put my hand on your chest, kind of pat your heart and ask you the question, how's your heart today? Your heart okay? Is there stuff in there that shouldn't be? There, there, there are things that, that God wants to do and have conversations with you about that you've been kind of ignoring. And is there maybe jealousy and envy in there that God says, hey, we, we need to have a conversation about that how's your heart you okay let's pray together god oh these talks are not fun because it's really pointing up to us all this crud that we've got in our heart we are a mess father we are a mess we love you man do we love you we're so thankful for jesus and we're trying so hard to be the kind of Followers and apprentices that you want us to be, but God, if we're totally honest, they, our hearts are sick. And nobody likes to talk about this kind of stuff, and we don't want to admit to each other, let alone you, that we have a jealous heart or that we're envious of somebody else. But if we're completely honest, we are. We are. Father, the only one that can fix it is you. And that's going to happen as we have a conversation with you, an honest conversation. So I pray, Lord, we would be doing that this week. That is being spiritual. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.